welcome back to Ball Watching, presented by our friends over at Hoffman Brothers. This is going to be a little bit of a somber episode, Justin, but I, I was thinking to myself today, how did I want to go about this? And I think you and I try to do a good job of maintaining some level of reality while also trying to be even keeled uh, on these types of things. So what I'm going to call today, my theme of the day, Justin, I'm hitting you with this cold, is, is tough love. I love this team. I think we've got a lot of naysayers out there after rematches into the season. But, you know, let's take a look inward and let's let's do some analysis and, and show we think could be done better after last night. How do you feel, Justin? It's I'm recording Wednesday evening following our dismissal from CONCACAF Champions Cup. What, what What's going on in your head? Uh, I don't feel great about it. Um, this was one that we talked about that is never given. We earned this and we're not, we can't assume that we're ever going to be back in this. So it's sad to see it go that quickly. Um, have a lot of thoughts on it. And I know kind of, we're going to make this one a little bit different for everybody. Cause I think we have a lot of people um, that have reached out to us with some DMS and comments. And I want to touch on all of them. Um, so we're going to keep the, keep the recap pretty light itself and then just go a little bit more in depth about the team and what, what everybody's feeling right now. Sounds good, Justin. So without a doubt, let's let's just get into it. Let's start with the lineup. And then what, like Justin said, we're going to do is a first half recap condensed, second half recap condensed. And then I think we're going to try to layer in a lot of the feedback, hot takes, thoughts, reflections that we got from you all this today, which, by the way, kudos to you all. Holy crap. I love how much this fan base cares and is not going to let this crap keep going. So we're going to get into what you all have to say as well and weigh in. But, Justin, let's start with the lineup today. The lineup last night was looking like a 4-4-2, similar to how we started against Houston at home here in the first leg. We started with, obviously, Berkey. We actually saw a Keel Watts feature for the first time this season at left back. He did make the transition over to right back eventually. Uh, Nilsson, Michael Vinso uh, with a start in the center back, obviously looking very thin at center back, but we'll get to his performance. Jake Nerwinski at right back. We predicted that. And then we had Indy. Kojima, Durkin, and Ostrock in the midfield four. Again, four central midfielders. And then Klaus and Sam up top. You look at this lineup. Any initial reactions before we even get to play? Don't even think about the game yet, Justin, but what did you think about this going into it? Well, I mean, immediately the back four is what the first thing I saw when they listed the 11. I think when you look at Watts, Nilsson, Wenzel, and, and Nowinski, I mean, that that seems like an open cup lineup in my opinion, uh, which we'll talk on, touch on later, but... I think I do want to – I'll just bring it up right now, Jake. I, we have a lot of DMs as well. People are being frustrated with why did we – If yes, we had three games in a week. I understand. Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Why didn't we rest our guys on Saturday? When we realized that the regular season is so long – and I have a great shout-out here from Eric on Instagram. He said, I'd love to hear about it tomorrow, but for Sporting Kansas City, for example, didn't win, didn't win a game for the first 10 games of their season last year and still made the playoffs – LAFC was barely on the playoff spot at all in June when Champions League ended last year. The season is too long not to be able to put up strong enough lineups in big tournaments, and I agree because now we're talking about it too. I mentioned the Open Cup. I don't know how – like now the fact that there's a chance that we're not even going to be in the Open Cup, the only games that we will have outside of the regular season will be Leagues Cup in August. And so now it's just a very bland season for us. Like, well, yeah, now we can just focus directly on the uh, regular season, which – I guess that's what we wanted because that starting lineup is not what I was hoping for. It's a shame. It really is a shame. I, I, I really feel disappointed today because is there a guarantee we're going to get into this tournament ever again? I, I, I don't know. 
it's it's very hard to qualify for and i think people don't realize that enough that what we did last year in terms of our performance for the full season was nothing short of incredible especially especially for an expansion team obviously not many teams get to have the ability to, to qualify for this tournament so I think we kind of ended up taking it a little bit for granted, like you said, and I don't think this was necessarily the highest priority. And that's fine. If you're going to go home on Saturday and tear New York City FC to shreds or learn from this experience, because we have shown nothing in big knockout games, which is a big worry of mine as well. As long as we're progressing from it, I'm fine. But it's just the way we went out was just brutal, brutal. I mean, it wasn't great either, even in the first leg. We did get the W. But man, I'm just I'm just struggling today a little bit because I feel like I don't want to overreact, but this is a pretty big obstacle to hit right away in the season to me. No, I completely agree. And I think uh, there's one question that just came in as well from Travis. And this is a, a point that I had as more of a low light in general um, that we are going to touch on. But uh, he goes, so why is Klaus perpetually playing so deep? And I think it's because of these formations that we have him in right now. We have him either playing side by side with the Dinneran, which was last game, or underneath of a Dinneran. And you can tell that he gets, he's one of those players that gets very frustrated when he doesn't get the ball. He'll throw his hands up. And when you don't get the ball and you're frustrated as a forward, you drop further back to try to get it to your feet. But that's not Klaus. Klaus is not a hold the ball up player. He's one of those guys that'll take guys one on one, rip some shots, and get in behind and slip some balls and have great finishing. He's not a guy that's going to pick it up in the midfield and dribble them all. So unfortunately, I think it's the fact that. He isn't getting the ball or finding the game very well this early, and I think it's mainly because of the way that we've had our starting lineups. And I think it's just the way what pans out when you play Adinaran and Klaus together. I've never been a huge fan of it. I just don't know if we found the right recipe where they can coexist together and collaborate and really play well off each other like we've seen with Klaus and, and Nico, RIP. But I saw a good comment in an Instagram live feed here from Mama 62 saying, wasn't crazy about Sam and Klaus up top. I'm with you, V-Ball Mama. It's it's not my ideal formation. I just we haven't found a way for them to coexist. Justin, we're, we're getting way over all the place right now. Let's just let's cover let's, the game yeah. at least from some of the big points to, to cover off on, and we'll get back into the takes and the thoughts, guys. Keep them coming. These, these are great. And honestly, Jake, there is one take that we need to start the game with was the streaming. I I texted you and I was like, has the game started yet? When it was supposed to be right at uh, nine thirty, and you responded two minutes later, like, no, it hasn't. In that time, I went to Twitter, saw that City said, oh, we kicked off, kept like reloading my apps, trying to figure it out, spent four minutes, first four minutes of the game trying to find it. Then when it hit the fifth minute of the game, once I found it, I went to my phone and texted it to everybody I knew that was asking about the game for the next 10. So I didn't even see the first 10 minutes. And then when I turned it on in the 11th minute, it looked like the Houston Stadium had COVID and that everybody had to sit at least six feet apart. I saw a lot of great uh, videos and um, actual photos on Twitter about how empty that stadium was, and rightfully so. The fact that the Champions Cup is on two central teams at a 9:30 p.m. on a Tuesday—I don't know who, how they even think people are going to show out. I don't really, I don't really get it whatsoever. But if should have it played to our advantage, I'm like, wow, this place is dead. Usually, Houston is extremely good at home. They have a great home standing with their people, but it was absolutely dead. It was, yeah. Not not a great showing from Houston. Surely not us in here in St. Louis at City Park. But I, dude, I literally missed the first like 15 minutes. I know I texted you. I was like freaking out. Like I could not find a way to get into this. like my my Spectrum login wasn't working. I was going to every site known to man to look where I could find this game streaming. Couldn't do it. Finally got into it. 
as I flipped it on, 17th minute, got a low light here, long ball into the back post. It was headed down by Karaskia, who we mentioned was going to be dangerous all game. And no one could control it. It ends up with a blocked kind of half opportunity shot that rolls straight to Roman. Uh, the ball popped. That was crazy. This night was just a weird night already with like the streaming thing, and the ball popped. Who Who's dropping the ball here? I mean, we got to have someone that's dropping the ball. We got to have someone that, that's pumping these babies up mid-game. We can't have this happening at the top. I don't, I don't even know how it was possible. I was so confused. And they didn't show like a replay on it or anything, but I was like, what? And then so – Yes. And like I said, we're going to run through this quickly. We're going to have five, five things from each half because we have so much else to talk about. But – I will say one of the biggest, probably our biggest highlight of the game was in the 27th minute. Um, it was a giveaway by the Houston D to Klaus, who slots in Sam and Dinneran, who's wide open, running from the right side through the middle, one-on-one with the keeper. He decides to hit it with his left foot, which is kind of coming, like, not across his body, but hitting it, kind of opening his body right up. Hits it off of Clark's chest with a great save there. And then I will say after that, I kind of wish that he would have, taken a touch and been a little bit more composed there right after that Ostrock gets it back tries to slot it back to Klaus who's waiting for the PK spot to just absolutely bury it and ends up getting cut out of the slide and that was our best chance of the game that that opportunity I, I was almost a little bit glad at the time that didn't go in because that just had shades of last year written all over it and you knew the celebration police the goal scoring police were going to come out and say St. Louis getting the, the giveaway once again and, and they're scoring and they're outperforming Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, I, I would go back and probably take that goal. I still think Ostrock should have ripped on that instead of trying to, to cut back. It just, we're not the team that's going to make this ever look pretty. When you have a chance, even if it's at a tight angle like that, but you're one-on-one with the goalkeeper, rip it. Rip it low, far post. That is a hard save to make for, for any goalkeeper. And we did on the goalkeeper front. To me, as ugly as this game was, you learned a couple of things positively. One, Roman Berkey is in mid you know, goalkeeper of the year form mid-season already. I mean, he couldn't keep out the goal, but that save that he made in the 33rd minute on uh, Greg Goosh, I think it was on the shot from 25 yards out, had so much pace on it. It was dipping. It's a tough save to make for a goalkeeper to get down that quickly. Strong paw on it, bounces out. Our defender isn't tracking the runner in for the rebound, and he gets up immediately on, on a split second and plays big cuts down the angle, gets the hands low, and makes an incredible rebound save. I mean, the guy, it, you, you, you can't always count on him for stuff like this, but those types of moments keep us in the game. And had they scored in the first half, I would have potentially called a ball game then for us because we had no sense for any attack. No, we had no attack the entire game. Um, I will say, but to kind of round out the half real quick, I would say another massive L as we're talking about biggest highlights and lowlights, 43rd minute. Nilsson was attended to by the trainer, looking like it was his knee was his problem. And then he comes off, Markanik comes on. So then we have – and it's a big move. It's not just like a one-for-one. Markanik's not playing center back. So Markanik on the left, Wenzel and Nerwinski in the middle, and Akil Watts to the right side. Talk about another switch up on defense that there is no one there that is a mainstay or will be a consistent starter. Markanik, hopefully, see how it plays out with Dewey. Otherwise, all four of those guys are secondly or at least second-tier for their position. So not something that we wanted to round out in a game that is pretty much like a playoff game for us. Saw a lot of Jake Nerwinski slander today. And I know we've, we've participated in our own bit. I'll put my hand up and I think some of it's rightly deserved. Some of it goes a little bit too far, but now in the center back position, which we know he's capable of playing. He didn't play I don't think at all last year, but he's now at center back and in the 45 plus two. So we're at the dying minutes of first half 
they have a back heel in from Coco Karaskia. He tries to send, I think it was Siegel in behind, and Nerwinski is kind of caught in two minds where just to plow this one out one time on the bounce or try to play the ball and dribble it out and then pass out of that. And he kind of like swings at it, but it hits him. It settles right in front of him. He tries on the ground now to just like clear it out with his foot and they're in on goal. And oh my God, dude, I was like, I was biting my nails. I just, I, 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 I always hope for the best for Jake Nerwinski because I feel like he's just been through the ringer here and he goes to the spin cycle with the fans, but Watts, He's got to be thanking his lucky stars for because Watts comes back on the sprint, the dead sprint, and lays in a huge block on the shot. That was my highlight besides Roman Berkey of the first half. Yeah, I will say the one thing that we did well, especially in the first half, was blocking shots from a defensive perspective. So going into halftime, they had two shots on goal. Both were on the on the, um, on the the great Berkey save and then the rebound save right then and right after. They had eight total shots, though. So that means six of them either went off target or blocked. I would go ahead and say at least five of those were blocked. So that was one positive that we had going into halftime. But overall, we had no really offensive chances besides the giveaway they gave Sam. And it didn't look like we were creating anything either. So that was a massive low light overall in the first half. But jumping straight into the second half, Jake, similar to a block that we had there, this one then sparked an offensive tack. In the 55th minute, we had a great track back by Vinsel. And he slid and blocked Dorsey shot at the top of the 18. Then we counter. And Klaus slides Sam and Didran, who's coming down the left-hand side in, completely one-on-one with the goalkeeper. You're like, oh, Sam's got sprint speed. He'll be completely fine. He'll finish this. He gets They get caught up almost a little bit. He takes one bad touch right there at the end that is not far out out in front of him, and he has to slow down and kind of reach back to try to shoot it. And that's what ends up allowing them to – Ethan Barlow to block the shot. Oh, that was a bummer. You, you see Sam in that, in that scenario so many times, and most of the time he just pile drives that in the upper corner. But this wasn't to be – we did see some subs come in the 58th minute. Carnell, you know, trying to make some changes. Celio came on for Indy, AZ on for Ostrock. You'd think we'd see some spark there. I don't really think we got what we were looking for because two minutes later, they won their goal. It was a foul from AZ, you know, very, very deep out, 45 yards or so from goal. Dead ball was floated in. It's got some air on it, and I, I think Durkin mistimed his jump or misplayed the ball because – you could see on the replay, he jumps and he's under it. He's not able to make contact with it. They win the header. They head it in you know, towards the goal. It's brought down by a forward who then lays it off for an oncoming attacker, and it's just a one-time finish. Berkey got a little bit of a tip to it. It was hit with a good amount of pace, and it was kind of a snap-snap shot that I don't really fault him at all for it. But set-piece goals, you cannot allow those when you're playing like this with aggregate goals. And you, By the way, defensively we weren't awful last night i actually think our defense was okay it's our attack that i am gravely worried about at this point i mean we had a full depth chart uh in on our back line last night and we kept houston out for most of it so that's a bigger theme to talk about more uh but that was my thought on, on the goal yeah and i felt like Vetzel actually had a, a relatively decent game as well there's a couple times where i thought that he could go up and win a ball and he would let it bounce um, and I think he was in hopes that he could use kind of his, his large stature to get the ball there. I just want him to go attack it and win it forward. And then, unfortunately, in the 69th minute, could, we had a little friendly fire, Jake. Kojima was going in, and he's going for a slide tackle. Basically, just takes out Venzel in the knee, and both are kind of laying around. Literally just leads to um, two minutes later, subs coming on. Thor coming on for Sam and Lubin for Kojima. And so I want to talk about this one real quick, Jake, before we move on to the remaining highlight lowlights of the Good. game. Thor coming on for Sam, I don't really know if I fully understand that. 
it, it was Klaus doing something that, and I know there was someone else on Instagram that was asking us this, like, what, what would you have done there? Would you have taken Sam out? Cause I feel like he was creating our chances and I feel like Klaus is just getting a little bit frustrated. I understand that Sam missed two big chances, but in my opinion, leave the big man in there and let him run. And then also Luvin Kaperkajima, still probably a minutes constriction thing, uh, restriction thing there for Luvin. And that's why he's not starting, but it just trying to get that guy up and running on a minutes restriction with 20 minutes left in the game. It just doesn't seem like there's going to be anything that you can really provide. Yeah, the Klaus and Sam, let's get into here in the in these questions. Let me think, is there anything else we want to talk about, Justin, before we roll into the thoughts from the fans and listeners here? I guess, yeah. The, the yeah. last thing I'll say is that we made a lot of second-half subs, and I just didn't see the energy out of the guys that were that came on. Um, I was hoping, and I think that typically, like, we had so Celio for Indy um, and AZ for Ostrock in the 58th, so they're only playing 30 minutes. Then we have... Thor for Sam and Luvin for Gajima in the 71st. They're only playing 20 minutes. I don't understand how it's not just a full tilt sprint for that time period, especially with Celio and AZ, just absolute spark plugs. They can go on runs for 30 minutes straight with ease. And I just didn't see the energy out of those guys. I didn't see a and change in the game whatsoever. And that that bothers me, actually, a, a, a fair amount. I don't want to hear it on the you – know, we've played three games now or we played two games before this or the, the tired. You guys are being paid. A, a good amount of money to do this, to stay healthy, to stay fit. I know there's some extraneous factors at play here. I know it's not easy, but you're in an in, you're in a continental tournament that you may never be in again if you don't replicate results like we did last season. Play with that passion and that pride as if your backs are against the wall, and they were. And Houston looked the more likely to score again. So that part I'm not okay with, and I don't. I really don't want to hear it about the. The, the fatigue or, or the tire. I know that happens and it happens for every team, but good teams find a way to grind out results like that. And last night we played scared. We played like a lifeless team that had just never seen this stage before. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do more on these takes here, but I think you brought up a good point there. I, I don't didn't see much of a response at all from the substitutes. So Justin, let, let's get into some comments that we got from, listeners some takes here Let, let's address the klaus and sam thing first uh, i i, I want to take this and start it off with like i said i don't think they coexist well yet there's not been a, a game where i've seen them really gel well and i think the reason we keep rolling with this is that they're similar in stature but very different in terms of profiles if you have nothing going for you sam is your guy to make something out of nothing, to generate chances, to be a bowling ball down the field. If you want to win and succeed consistently and do it, I don't know, in a, in a way that doesn't involve someone making a masterpiece of a, of a individual play, Klaus is your guy. And he makes him those masterpieces as well. But he's in a connect. And right now he's so frustrated and he's not being able to play his game. He's dropping so deep and letting a dinner and just run in behind him and do all of that off the ball work. Klaus I've noticed is getting better in terms of his press and his contributions off ball, which I think is something they probably worked on with him, but you've got to get your goal scorer goal scoring. And I, I'd say the same thing for Leuven. Leuven, honestly, I haven't really seen the best of probably since maybe like league's cup. He just hasn't been the same for us. And you know, he's our spring polar and he just hasn't been like that. And he didn't get a huge chance last night. So I'll, I'll caveat that, but that's where I take that debate. No, I absolutely agree. And I was, I was just scrolling back to see. And, and you've got to think about this. Taking a step back, Jake, Klaus was out for 19 games last year. Sam didn't really play much at all when Klaus first started and when Klaus was hot, if you think about that. That's why we pretty much sent him out. 
to San Antonio. And then when he came back, Klaus was out for 19 games. They haven't played together much at all. And then I was just looking to see, like, how much time have they actually played with um, with each other in the preseason as well? Maybe 50 minutes. And if you really count the preseason, like, otherwise it's small-sided games in practice. I think it's we're still trying to find the vibe of this team and the creativity as well, which I think is also a little bit to blame on the guys underneath of all three of them. I think no one really knows, and we don't have – our own, I would say, style right now. And it's feeling like it's all very off. I didn't feel like we pressed very well. Yeah, I don't think we're making create, creative runs, creative plays whatsoever. Our dead balls have been good. We finished one with Tim Parker, but otherwise we haven't really just created chances whatsoever yet. No, I agree. Great take in here from, from John Love, who told me, Justin, our top 11 players include both Sam and Klaus, but our best 11 does not include both of them. And I agree with that. I definitely agree. It's it's hard to admit because you want to see both of them playing on the field. Uh, I saw another good take in here from Sean on, on Twitter, now X, saying that I think the 10,000-foot view is still appropriate and relevant. The MLS season is very, very, very long. Last year, Sporting Kansas City had an abysmal start to the season, yet still made the playoffs. Last night sucked, but let's not panic yet. And I, I agree. I don't want to hit the panic button at this moment. I, I do want to hit the button of why or how have we not improved from last season yet i feel like we've regressed and i think regression from a points perspective or a western conference perspective is to be expected but we need to progress in terms of our principles and our style of play and our ability to succeed and compete on the pitch and that's not that's not looking anything like it was at this time last year no and i think that's another thing is that everybody we started the hottest and the best that you could ever start in the history of the mls last year so yeah, we need to temper our expectations a little bit, but one, one, and one, if you told us that, it's like, that's not an awful start to the season, but this doesn't feel good either. That's where I'm saying is like, we had a, a guy, Jose Kojima, that scored our game winner on the day he was signed. The RSL game just didn't feel good whatsoever on Saturday. And then last night looked awful. So I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way to have a positive spin on this. And my the way I'm going to put it, Jake, is that these guys, we have a lot of talented guys. I don't think we have any locker room problems. They just need to start gelling. And I think they will. And I think once we get that starting to click and we have that spark of creativity, I don't know who's going to start it and who's going to kind of hop onto that bandwagon. But I do think then we can start rolling downhill and starting to play a lot better. It's just a rough start right now. What would you say about Carnell? I've seen a couple of folks DM me or, or message me about Carnell and their thoughts on him. I do think part of this is is on his on his shoulders as well i last night think about our subs think about our tactics we looked stuck in the mud we didn't change anything notably at least we maybe changed a little bit of the formation obviously to do some personnel change because of injuries and subs but when did you see us adapt to houston or maybe go after it in this game until we got scored on you know what i mean i don't think that's something that we were necessarily high on him for last year, his in-game substitutions and adjustments. And I think, again, today, uh, or last night, we were re- we were reiterating that same point. I mean, I'll give him the subs, because if you think about it, we, they didn't score into the 60th. So in the 58th, he did bring on Celio and AZ. So you know that we're trying to get a little bit of spark plug, knowing that if we go down 1-0, we have to score. And like, we would have to score regardless. Like, if, if, they, if they score a goal, if we tie 1-1, we're through. So we did bring on Celio and AZ. I think all of this, though, starts with Jake is the decision on Saturday. When we're starting Berkey, Tutland, Nilsson, Parker, Markinick, Blum, Leuven, Celio, AZ, Thorson, Klaus, I would have much rather started the squad that we started yesterday on Saturday and then started that squad yesterday. 
Does that make sense? I feel like the yeah. starting 11 that we played on Saturday was much stronger. And I think it made guys tired. It had, we had a couple injuries. Yes. But there was guys on minute restrictions like Leuven. And we look at then, unfortunately, Parker went down. Totland would have started if he, I don't think he has an injury right now. I think he just didn't play because he played two full nineties. Mark Nick, same situation. I just don't see the reason as to why we need to start such a strong 11 on a regular season game when we have Champions Cup second leg away three days later. Yeah, I think it is because they are going to prioritize MLS Cup and they always will. That's just the vibe that I'm getting. I listened to that when Carnell did his City Voices interview. One other thing I want to mention, Justin, I got a good comment about from Joshua on X was our midfield has zero cohesion. Just a bunch of guys running around with no thought of where the ball needs to go to next. We hear a lot of comments about passing and our networks of passing and our ability to chance create, unlock that final pass. I think what we're doing almost right now is when we're playing that four-man midfield flat, and there's some staggering going on, you know, Ostrock, Durkin, Blum, Leuven, Indy, whoever that is, Aziel Jackson, we're almost just putting our cards out there and saying one of these is going to hit. One of these guys, because all of them can do it on their day. Maybe not so much Durkin or Blum as much, but I think the rest of them that I just mentioned have that final pass somewhere buried in their locker, and we're not seeing it. Aziel Jackson's getting bumped off the ball. Ostrock, I keep trying to hype up, and I just don't feel like I'm really seeing it from him. He's not on the ball enough. Even I don't even really even notice him out there. Indy, I feel like he's kind of, you know, he works really hard. I haven't seen too much final product out of him. We need that person to pick the lock to bring in an Indenaran, to bring in a Klaus, or to spray out wide for a more true winger like Erasmus Hall, who I think we're sorely missing right now. So the midfield, I, I agree. It's, it's been our weakest point. I think our attack as well. But uh, honestly, I am okay with our defense so far this season. And I think we showed last night. A guy like Michael Vinsel steps up here, and I'm, I'm not going to spoil my own party, but I think he has one of the better performances of the entire team, and that shouldn't be the case. No, I, th- I feel like the, the, we already talked about it. The only highlights we had was the two slips in that Sam had. But the other highlights that we had were not offensive. They were defensive from blocks and people getting back. We talk about Winslow. We talk about Akil Watts. I mean, those guys played their butts off to try to keep this game alive. Unfortunately, we just had no spark on the offensive side. So is there anything else that you really want to talk about this game? I feel like we need to get some kind of a positive spin or something. No, I, I agree. The, the last thing I'll say is my heart and soul of the team, the performance last night for me, I'm giving it to Michael Wenzel. Three interceptions, four recoveries, three blocks, three clearances, two of them being headed clearances. He played like a man possessed like last night, like someone that embodied the spirit that I think we really are trying to capture with this club, this blue collar mentality, this I am not above any of this. I'm going to get dirty and, and get down and play this game the way it's supposed to be played. He played so passionately last night i loved to see it like that energy why don't we have that with our true with our with our more known players if that guy's showing you up we have a problem no one's playing hard enough no one's playing harder than him we have a problem i would agree with that uh i'm gonna make it a lot easier jake my heart and soul sponsored by soul juice you can get it for 20 percent off at souljuice.com get it schnooks deerbergs uh straubs sam's anywhere costco gas stations coming my heart and soul of the game is anybody that stayed awake for that one because that one was just sad. So if you were able to stay awake, even to get all the way to the goal, I'm happy with it. If you're staying awake through the entire game, even happier with you. And if you're so frustrated that you couldn't sleep afterwards and all the DMs that we got after the game, you're the true heart and soul juice of the game. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Justin, let's 
let's turn the page for now. We're coming home. Boys are a little banged up, and we need some points. We need some some juices to start flowing. And I think New York City could be that team for us. So let's get into New York City FC, NYC FC. They are, we actually have never played them. So I'm going to go a little bit into history quickly, but they're owned by City Football Group. So Manchester City, I think, uh, Yorona in, in Spain are owned by them. And they are a very, very valuable franchise in MLS, despite not being great recently. They're the fourth most valuable franchise. They began in 2015, mostly play out of Yankee Stadium, which is a great place to play soccer. If you've never seen the optics there, I'm being very sarcastic. They do have an MLS Cup. Uh, that was back in 2021. And famous players include none other than one of the MLS all-time greats, David Villa. 77 goals and 177 appearances. They've also had Andre Pirlo and Frank Lampard don the NYCFC jersey as well. So some big names have played for the, for this team. Did Diego Gigliani come from Citigroup? Yes. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Thank you. That was why the noise. I was trying to search that and confirm it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, we did not play them last year. So that's usually where we say, what did we play against them? How did they do last year just on their own without playing us? which is probably good for them because we were hot last year. Full record, 9-11 and 14, finished 11th in the East, missed the playoff by two points. Home record, 8-3 and 6. Away record, 1-8 and 8. Good to know for this coming Saturday. Goals four, they only had 35, third worst in the MLS. However, the reason they were kind of able to hang around and only miss playoffs by two points, they only had 39 goals against, which is fifth best in the MLS. So um, very strong showing for them there. And then to start this season, they had a one nothing loss at Charlotte so far. But I will say, if you saw Charlotte, some of those videos that came out of that, that place was absolutely rocking. Yeah. Don't they play where the Panthers are, too? I think so, yes. It's, and they just absolutely fill out a football stadium, just like Atlanta did when they first got their team. Yeah, no, it, it, they actually do have a cool atmosphere. But I will say, let, more isn't always more in the case of people butts and seats, because I do think our – our atmosphere still trumps theirs despite being far less in terms of people. But yes, like you said, just lost to Charlotte on, on the opening fixture for this past weekend. Three kind of key players to watch for in, in this match. They dip very heavily into the South American pool for their, their talent, especially recently. Uh, the, the folks that I'll mention here, are Julian Fernandez is a right winger for them. He's a 20-year-old Argentinian. And he was acquired by New York City FC back in August of last year from one of the top Argentinian first-tier sides. Seven goals, two assists, and 60 all-competition appearances for that team before he got here. He's played in nine games for NYCFC so far. Two starts, tallying two goals. So he's off to a good start in his young MLS career. He is an exciting, exciting player to watch. And they also have who I think could be one of the better central attacking midfielders eventually here. That's Santiago Rodriguez, 24-old Uruguayan. Uh, he is a smaller character, 5'6", 137, but he had the ninth most successful take-ons last year in the MLS and drew the third most fouls. This dude epitomizes shifty. Uh, 31 games played with 28 stars, five goals, eight assists, and that were the second most G's and A's or goal contributions on the team last season. So both those guys, I would say, are crucial, especially in the attacking. Yeah, and say a little bit on the flip side for them, James Sands, center defensive mid, 24-year-old American. He's 6'1", 185, so... Bigger, much bigger than both of those guys, has been with New York's uh, NYFC since 2017. And yet he had 26 games played last year with 24 full starts and 24 full 90s with zero goals and zero assists last year. But that's because he's a center defensive mid. You're not looking for him to be there. He's your stop. He's your shot stopper. He's your last year Lubin, last year Blamo, and say this year right now. Started and played the full 90 versus Charlotte in the season opener. 
honorable mentions, they have some firepower that could start, could come off the bench. Uh, Talis Magno is a 21-year-old Brazilian, already his fourth MLS season, worth around $10 million right now. He can play really anywhere across the front three. Jovan Mijatovic is an 18-year-old Serbian striker. Previously was a star for Red Star Belgrade, consistently in the Champions League, and was linked with City before coming over to New York City, and he was signed for $8.6 They're spending some big bucks here. They also signed another winger from Argentina, uh, Augustin Ojeda from Racing Club for around $7.5 So New York City is investing heavy, like I said, mostly in the South American market to make some changes and get back to where they've been before, Uh, but it hasn't really shown up yet. And then as we kind of talk through the rest of those guys, let's go into the actual playing style. So head coach Nick Cushing is ending the second season for NYFC. Their formation that he usually plays for them is a 4-2-3-1, similar to us, or a 4-3-3 for them. Very, I would say somewhat similar, Jake. Let me know your thoughts. And to Houston, very possession-oriented, very slow and intricate buildup. Seventh most completed pass in the MLS last season. They rely on creative and pacey wingers and more baseline through balls than dribbles through the entire 90 their attacking style is very fluid. Everybody's kind of moving around. There's not exactly everybody's not everybody stuck in their own spot. Very interchangeable to create passing lanes and also overload different sides of the field, which I think it was a problem for us last year with Nerwinski. Let's see if that actually occurs again this time, if Nerwinski again is our starter. And then fullbacks. Also, the similar similar to the fullbacks that we have now, look to make overlapping runs to get up the field. Once they overlap, then the winger is allowed to cut in or keep it wide to create space for guys in the middle. And they have some banging wingers, too. So that's just something to keep out for, keep a lookout for. Let's talk some trends, storylines for New York City FC. Justin, away form, not great for them. Their last five away were draw, loss, loss, draw, loss. And they have 0.65 points per match in all away games last season with an, a minus 11 goal differential. If you look at their XG just broadly last season, they put 1.39 per 90, which is about average in the MLS, uh, but they, they're actually output or the outcome there was 1.03 goals for, for per game. So significantly underperforming their XG uh, away form, obviously worse in both there. They have less XG with 1.18 and they scored basically a third of their goals last year on the road. They only get a goal every 127 minutes. Let's talk timing though. When are we going to see these goals? If we're going to see them, we'll get to my prediction here. 26% of them, or about a fourth of them, come from uh, the last 15 minutes of the first half, and then another 20% come right after the, the first half and then at the last 15 minutes. Uh, this team is top 10 in, in getting those shots on target, but they're the fourth worst in goals per shot, so not very effective in passes, dude. Number seven in total passes, mostly short kind of tiki-taka passes, even some medium mixed in there as well. But top 10 and passes into the final third. So they do have that final ball picked out. It's just a matter, I feel like, of their scoring. It hasn't been put together. No, I would agree. And then when you look into their defense, we already talked about it. It was pretty strong last season with only giving up 39 goals. Their XGA of 1.28 per 90 is top 10 in the MLS. With a 1.15 goals against per game is top nine. Um, their away form 1.32 XGA with 23 of their 39 goals coming against as well. So a little bit weaker on the way that you can say there. They concede every 67 minutes. Um, I think that we get two on these guys though, Jake. I know we got you got a couple a couple things down to blow this, but I think we can actually get a spark plug at home. 26% of their goals against come between the 46 and 60th. So just right as the second half starts, and then also late in the game, the 76th and the 90th. 
10th most goals against on set pieces, which is a huge note for us. Ninth fewest shots on targets. Um, and then also their average tack- tackle number is top three in blocking. What did I just say? They're ad- they're not a really aggressive team. They're kind of an average tackler type team, but they're big into getting into lanes and blocking passes. So that is what you just said, Justin. I, think I, just, had a, I just had like a, I, I don't even, I couldn't even get a full sentence out. I was trying to get two stats out and I just merged them into one. I can help with the whole Pam Pam situation. Uh, thank here. you. Thank you. One thing I'm not overly impressed with is their goalkeeping. I think that's another opportunity for us. They were minus one, 1.7 last year in post shot XG minus goals against. I believe Matt Freeze has won the job for them. Uh, and last year they had some pretty poor goalkeeping until he won the job. And then he became a top 10 goalie in terms of that stat. Still think we can get into his head. Last thing I'll say here, Justin, is possession. This team will kill you with possession. They're the fourth highest sequence time. So time just spent on the ball in a sequence. And they've strung together the 10 they're 10th in the most 10 passing 10 plus pass sequences how about that say that a couple times anyway this team likes to play it pretty you know they like to keep on the ball and kind of kill you with possession and take the life out of you by having to chase around the whole game but they haven't proven to be the most dangerous team so let's talk keys of the game justin got to bring the boys home got to bring the boys home take advantage of city park like I said, I think in one of our previews already, we have a 25% advantage last season, which just compares points per match at home versus away. And NYCFC were the fifth worst away team last year. We were the eighth best home team. We've got to take advantage of that. I mean, not only that, Jake, but I think everything, everybody is wanting more. Just thinking about it, the fans are still going to show out. There's no, we're, we're not playing well these first three games. There's nothing to say about that. It's going to be a great day in St. Louis. we got to take advantage of that and get on top of these guys early. And you know what I'm going to be doing before the game, Jake? On this great day, I will be attending the pitch. The pitch is the greatest spot to pregame a St. Louis City soccer game. You can go there during the week as well if you want to watch any college basketball that's going on right now. Battlehawks are about to come up. we got the Blues rolling as well. Get to the pitch. Get some buckets. Get some frozen Irish, frozen Irish coffee. Get some food. Celebrate the game there before, during, if you don't have tickets, and after. This team's got to come out flying. I mean, we just haven't yet in a game yet. I think that's got to be one of our other keys of the game. At the end of the first half last year, just looking at the score at halftime, New York City was number 22. We were eight. So we start hot. We got to start hot, I think, at home, get on the right foot. But you also got to finish with a bang. We know this team is capable of scoring late on. We know our team is capable of conceding late on. We need to put clamps down on the defense and be able to find the back of the net and put, you know, hopefully some insurance goals in the back of the net for us. That's what I'm relying on. I think we need to rely just most generally on our strong suits. We're, the, we're one of the better teams when it comes to XG from set pieces and from counters. Find opportunities in those two spaces. We're also better when we're pressing together. We're one of the better teams in passes per defensive action. We have a low count on that. Uh, we also disrupt teams in their buildup. We're one of the highest buildup disruption percentage teams. We're great at, at gegen pressing, that counter press that we constantly see. But we're not seeing it yet. I don't know what's what's happening, but we haven't seen our bread and butter yet. And I think this is a game. These two styles, us and them, could not be more opposite. Can we take advantage of that? And I think we should. I think we can. I think we can dictate a game here at home. And I say the one reason that we also need to push for this, you have it in here, beware of the dreaded draw. New York FC has... Um, or had the second most draws in 2023, 47% away draws as well. That's one you can tell that they're already going to try to kind of bundle up and just try to get out of there with a tie. We need to break that open with our press. Press high, I think we saw it a lot in the first Houston game, which 
that was the first the first game of the year. I'm like, wow, we're back. We are literally on the top of their A team when they're doing goal kicks. I want to see the same thing with these guys into NYFC. And I think we have a good chance. All right, Justin. So win first half is a goal of mine and a clean sheet is another one of mine. Roman Berkey has not had a clean sheet now since the middle of September last season. So I think he would love to have one. And I think this could be the game to do that. So Justin, let's get into one of our favorite segments because there's so much debate nowadays, but the Hoffman brothers starting 11, obviously brought to you by our friends at Hoffman brothers. We know that a well-chosen lineup can lead us to victory on the field. Hoffman Brothers has got to be in yours for all of your home repairs, all of your home appliances. They do everything under the sun, heating, cooling, appliances, ductwork, you name it, they do it, and they are your your friends, and they will make your life so much, so much better. So make sure you give them a call um, and tell your friends at Ball Watching here sent you. So Justin, the the Hoffman Brothers starting 11. The Hoffman brothers starting 11, and we've got Roman Berkey, obviously, starting in the back. But, Justin, I'll give it to you. Who's your back for? I'm going to honestly go back to Mark Hannick, honestly, dude. I think that he was – they were trying to give him a little bit of left or rest there after playing two full 90s, put him on the left. I'm going to go with Yarrow and Parker. I think Parker's going to be ready for this. He was on the bench last game, didn't get in. Nilsson, I think they're going to take it very careful with him, and he will not be playing uh, coming this Saturday. I'm going to put Totland back on the right. Um, I know this is this is what you have is or you had something a little bit different in the back four there, but I'm going with Mark Hanna come left. I like I like that shout. I'm gonna keep putting Do on here until I just speak it into existence. <laughs> see him. I just want to see him. And uh, otherwise, I agree with you. If you they, I, I heard Carnell post game and he said that Parker was closer than Yarrow was. I wonder if they'll be a little cautious with Yarrow because I I mean I wouldn't be mad if I saw Parker and Vinsel on the back line either. So I could see that also being something, but I'm going to play Blum and Leuven until they kick into gear. Uh, I'm putting them right installed back into the midfield and I'm going back to my four, two, three, one. So my three, actually I'm torn here because I don't think any of the options are incredible at this point on the left side, but I'm going to go to Thorson and give him a look with Aziel Jackson in the middle and Indy out on the wide, right, who can come in and I'm going to put Klaus up top. I don't think a dinner blew me away last game. And I think this is a team I, I love a dinner and when he can come on against tired legs. And that's always something that you know you're going to have in your pocket late on in the game. And maybe like, you know, last 30 minutes or so, you can give him more time. But I want to see Klaus kick into gear here. And I think this is a game that you can do that in. So that that's my 11. I think I'm actually going to stick with you as well. I 100% think that Blum and Lubin are going to figure it out. So just put them right in front of the back four. I think, I think Durkin has done well. He had a ton of great tackles in this game that we just had, but Let's see if we can give these guys one more shot together. Otherwise, otherwise, I think we kind of start flip-flopping with Durkin and Blum. Um, or even Leuven, depending on if he's not full, fully healthy yet. But yeah, Thor, AZ, Indy, Klaus up top. I love it. Sam and Celio off the bench with spark plugs. The only thing I'd say, Jake, is like, do we bring Indy in as another spark plug? I feel like he didn't change the game last time. So I think we start him. So that's why that was my only thing that I was thinking. But I think I'm going to keep him underneath the Klaus and see what we can create there, just like last season. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. Prediction time, Justin. Predictions and Grahammers. You and I both had the same prediction, which is rare here, but both of us have a 2-0 W for City, which I think is realistic, uh, and we love the over one and a half at home. But, Justin, is that your best bet today? Because it's not mine. Uh, it is my best bet of the day. Okay. Uh, best bet of the day, Jake. Wow, I'm stuttering tonight. <laughs> it's my best bet of the day, Jake. 
at plus 110, they're giving me something that's been hitting 65% of the time last season at home without scoring one and a half goals. So basically two or more goals at home. I'll be taking that at plus money every time. If you want to, you can look at City, money line at plus 130, NYFC plus 185, draw plus 235. So pretty evenly matched, which I think is still rude. I know we haven't been playing well recently, but with a full or five days rest, I think we'll get there. The over two and a half minus 130, the under plus 100. And I will say, if you want to take our prediction of a 2-0, if you think that we're going to shut them out, it's plus 260 for them not to score a goal, just FYI. I am going to take from my grammar both teams to score no. So I'm kind of covering myself a little bit of insurance here. You know, I'm expecting New York City to be the no team. But have we shown any sort of proficiency to score goals this season yet? No. So I'm going both teams to score no. It's a plus 125, so I think some good value there. I'm obviously hoping we're on the other end of that. Uh, but that is, that is my best bet for this week. I think I'm really trying to, sim, similar to what you said with Dewey, I'm trying to speak into existence that we're just going to open the floodgates. I would love to see three, four goals at this home game Ooh. and then just make people just forget about what we've seen so far. Let these guys get at home. We're not even thinking about other games anymore. This is the MLS regular season all the way through August. If we That's what we just heard about the open, open cup holds true. Let these guys get back into a rhythm and let's score some goals. I agree. There's your there's your little bit of hopium at the end of the show here. For everyone that, that's made it this far, have some faith. We're, we're three games into this season. We're out of one of the tournaments already. We're not going to have time to complain about fixture fatigue because other teams have it much worse than us. We don't have another midweek game until mid-May. So yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna miss it, but we have the Saturdays to focus on now. It's going to be tried and true, very consistent. This team's going to find it. They'll, they'll click into gear. What we're seeing is nowhere near product that we're about to see this full season so i have faith in this team to turn it around and i think it's taking us a little bit longer than it did last season so i'm hoping with you know with time and with just with reps honestly getting these guys reps together and consistently having a good 11 that you know you can count on i think that'll be a big part of this so i have faith in this team to turn it around but by no means has been pretty yet and i think we as fans got to do our job on saturday go to city park get rowdy welcome them back home and be a part of an atmosphere that will usher in uh, our first W of the MLS campaign. Let's absolutely do it. All for City. All for City.